Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. Now, this week we're doing a little bit of an experiment. Uh, we're going to jump straight into the story. No little chit-chats before anything, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Mark. What's our story for today? Well, our story today is about a band, a band that most people have probably heard of, U2. Started in Dublin, they all went to the same school, and they weren't great musicians when they started, and, and they, they struggled at a bunch of levels. And of course, one of the, the things that they struggled with was as they got famous and rich, they had to struggle with how they dealt with that. And one of them in particular, the bass player, Adam Clayton, right. um, he suffered from, from depression and that led to alcoholism. And he reflects back on those times and he said, my drinking, uh, it really made the rest of you too. I was hard to put up with, right. but they did. Yep. Right? They put up with me, they helped me through the hard times and we got through it. So fast forward to 1987 and another hard time they faced. Now they just released, in fact, they, yeah, they were, they were just launching the Joshua Tree album and they were in Tempe, Arizona, uh, 1987. Not, not far from my brother. Exactly. He's in Scottsdale, <laughs> isn't he? That's it. So their last album, the previous album, Unforgettable Fire, had a song on it called Pride. And the third verse of that is about Martin Luther King right. and, uh, and his assassination. And they were playing their Joshua Tree tour. Their first two nights was the 3rd and 4th of April. And of course, 4th of April is Martin Luther King, the anniversary of his assassination. Oh, okay. And they, because it was their first show of the tour, they were there early in Tempe, getting set up, practicing, etc. And uh, there's a fair bit of local media. And the day before... On the, so on the 3rd of April, the day before their second concert, they received a death threat. So essentially the threat was, if you play Pride on the 4th of April, I will kill you. I will shoot you. I have a gun and I'm going to shoot you. And wow. of course it was, you know, like... So this um, is some alt-right group or something oh, like well, that that it, didn't it, like the idea of... It's not clear where the threat came from, but right. that's probably not an unfair assumption. Uh-huh. And the band, they told the FBI, and the FBI said, well, with this short notice, there's no way that we can protect you. He might have a handgun in the crowd. He might be a sniper. There's just so many different scenarios that we can't protect you, so you're going to have to cancel the concert. But you two, you know, they're pretty tough guys and very principled, right? And they went, are we going to just cancel the tour and let everyone down because of this threat? And they decided not to. It was a pretty tough decision. Yeah, it sure was. And Bono describes that... They went, they went on stage and they're playing the, uh, the concert and towards the end, they played Pride. And as it came up to the third verse, which is the, the verse about Martin Luther King, he was terrified. And not surprisingly. Not surprising, no. So as he comes up to the, uh, to the third verse, he was so terrified he just closed his eyes. And uh, he said, I sang the words. Early morning, April 4, shots ring out in the Memphis sky. Free at last, they took his life, but they could not take his pride. And he said, all the time, I was just expecting to get a bullet in there. To head. get a bullet, right? Oh, my God. And he kept his eyes closed till the end of the song. Yep. And he was okay. And he opened his eyes, and there was Adam Clayton, the bass player. Yeah. Standing in front of him so that no one could shoot Bono. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, how far would your friends go for you? Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of story that gives you sort of goosebumps, doesn't it? Oh yeah. I think that's a that's a cracker. So let me let's let's talk then about why we think that story works, right? Um 
Actually, I was in a, a bookstore the other day uh, with Sheena and we were, I was just thinking about, in all these books there are so many great stories, but where would you start? You know, if you were to collect a series of stories, where would you start? And I thought, okay, maybe you would start by finding the stories around the most famous people or the most famous celebrities because as soon as you mention it, people hook straight into the story, right? You know, the name of the band or the name of the, the celebrity. So I reckon it's got that element to it. Yeah, sort of top 10 bands you might be interested in, you two might you, be on it. You two might be on it, right? And, you know, you, you're likely to be able to tell that story in a whole range of places. And immediately they get the whole visuals. They see Bono there with the glasses. They see the edge, you know, on the right-hand side, you know, sort of uh, in his... Uh, with his uh, hat, you know, sort of what he has that hat on that he always beanie, wears, yeah. his beanie yet. So it gives you all those visuals just by saying you two and Bono, right? So yeah. uh, I think that's that's certainly something that works for you. What else do you reckon? Well, you? of course, you know, life and death, the tension of not knowing. Is the bullet going to come? Yes. The closing the eyes, I think that's an important detail. Well, it is. It's vital. That detail's vital to the story. Of course, yeah, yeah. And I think too, and that's another element related to that. It's unanticipated. You don't know that the bass player is going to be standing in front of Bono, and of course, you can visualise that as well. So again, you're, there's surprise element uh, to it. Nice little twist right at the end of the of the story. I think too that you know, with a with a story like that, that we talk about power being a, a really something that we're drawn to and celebrity power is definitely a type of power. So, you know, you've got yeah. that element to it. I think too, you also seen the character of the band, you know, not cancelling the performance. I think that, again, it just gives you that another little insight into them and you, you sort of had that little bit of recognition. You go, oh, okay. So that's the type of people these guys are. So, yeah, no, what a fabulous story. I love it. Love that one. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it a couple of weeks ago. I heard a, a guy tell that story and I did a bit of research because it was surprisingly difficult to find the information about it. Right. Had to yeah. uh, do quite a bit of digging. I would have loved to have found a photo. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, there has to be a photo of that being snapped somewhere. Yeah, I haven't found it yet. Yeah. I suppose not Anyone out there who's, uh, who's got a copy or who knows that there's a, a photo, let me know. Yeah, definitely. What do we think could be even better about that story? I have to say, I felt a bit awkward saying the lyrics. Right, you right. Know, the lyrics of that third so what, verse. What were, you, what were you feeling as you were saying well, the lyrics? Well, I was kind of feeling that it was a bit rehearsed because I, I had to actually rehearse. Yes, to, yeah, right, uh, those, to remember those lyrics. To remember the lyrics. Yeah. So I wonder if I was telling that story in a pub, whether that would be you know, authentic. Picked up as... Yeah, people okay, go, oh, yeah, yeah. Because we talk a lot about performance, exactly. don't we? And that we try to avoid performance in our storytelling. You know, we think business storytelling is very much around just sharing the experience mm -hmm. as if you would tell it to your colleagues on a day-to-day -day basis rather than delivering the most beautiful performance. And we like the ums and ahs. We like the bits where you, you have to backtrack a little bit and go, oh, no, I haven't got that quite right or... Or the bit where someone jumps in and goes, oh, no, 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 what, what it was was, and then they correct you. I think that is how stories are actually told in business, right? Yeah, they're not, they're not beautifully polished yeah, diamonds. Not at all, not at all. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I reckon that's, that's a, an interesting and important element for people to think about in their storytelling. I think it'd be a real mistake for people to stand in front of a mirror and practice telling their story. Well, I'm not sure that I agree with that. I, yeah. I think that's a valid technique. 
not with the intention of getting it perfect, but with the intention of just getting it out. Really? And feeling what it's like to get it out. You know, that whole thing about practice. I think that just getting it out never done helps it you get way, better I suppose, at it. Well, I've know. never stood in front of a mirror and done it, but I have said it out loud on my own. Right. Many times. Because I tend to practice by telling someone, you know, and I know it's my first version is going to be crap and I'm going to miss some key elements, but, you know, the listener rarely knows what I know or what I'm missing. And so I make a mental note and I tell it again to someone else. I, I use real life tellings as opposed to... But you're right, there are, you know, for the more complex stories, there are bits of specific names of things, dates of things that, you know, if you don't get that right... Of course, yeah. the whole thing crumples under you. Yeah. I think that whether you're practicing in front of a mirror or you're doing live practicing with somebody, yep. the important thing is that you're you're doing it. You're not just you're not just imagining your, yourself telling it in your head. Because that is the mistake. It is. And I have done it. I've been giving a presentation, I've got my opening connection story all figured out, and something happens and it reminds me of something, an absolutely smashing connection story. And so I tell it to myself in my head a couple of times that I go up on stage. And of course, all that comes out of my mouth is a first draft. Yes. Right? So just, anyway, get it out. Don't practice it in your head. So my brother and sister turned 50 last weekend. And last minute, they say, oh, Sean, you should be the MC for this. 70 people turning up. Like, yeah, okay, I'll be the MC. And I don't know, I'm a bit of a last minute person. And the day of the event... I was thinking, okay, what story I can I tell, which is about both my brother and my sister? And I've, I realised as I, I remembered a story and I thought, yeah, this would be a good story to tell. The thing that was most important to me was to get the point out, right? Like why, you know, the, the bit, why was I telling the story? And my point was really basic. All I said was something like, uh, you know, we, we all know my brother, you know, likes to get ahead and likes to win, but every now and then, my sister wins, right? And that was the beginning of the story. And, you know, it's no profound point per se, but once I had that, the rest of the story, because it was a family story, so I, it has been told multiple times, but for 70 people, most of the 70 people had never heard it. But, of course, what was lovely, it was this group telling. So my father told a bit, brother told me a bit, it was this uh, sort of like a collaborative telling of a story. It was really quite nice. But I, I guess my point, though, I'm, I'm getting to is just if you know that point, so we should talk about what, where would you tell this story, like this U2 story? What point well, would you make? I, I guess there's so many leadership lessons in this. Right. Um, okay, so yeah, U2 is a band. Yep. But they take care of each other. Great. So... Many leaders don't do that. So a question for leaders, what have you done for your people today, last week, where they might even remotely consider standing in front of you? In that? <laughs> and I know there are many leaders who can put their hand on heart and say, yeah, I've done a lot. But also know there's a lot of leaders who go, oh, yeah, I'm sure I have, but couldn't give a specific example. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's important. I think the other thing that that would be and it's related to that, is just if you were working with a group of leaders to help to inspire them, you know, like I'm sort of repeating your point in a slightly different way, aren't I? So so it's not really a new idea. Okay, keep no, moving. No, but still, it is important. You know, it's an inspirational story. It's an inspirational story, yeah, definitely. 
definitely. And it's a, a challenge. Folks, think about the things that you do that cause your people to be so connected to you that yeah. they will do what you they'll do what you need at the time you need it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely that inspirational stuff. All right, so um, that's, that's one good application. Yeah, yeah. What's another one? What's another one we can use for, for that particular story? I mean, uh, for me, I, I think it's a great illustration of friendship, right? Uh, you, know, so you may not be able to – you could just talk about the fact that, you know, that bonds are often formed in the toughest situations, you know, that, you know, if you're going through a really tough point – you know, in a team's life, that in fact this could be the, you know, that that cauldron of forming some of the best bonds that could be formed for the future of that team. You know, so that yeah, that, so, could, that so, could be a, another way. Of yeah, absolutely. That story. So somebody's going through a difficult period. Do you help them through it, or do you cut them loose? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And in you two's case, they never never cut them loose. No, Adam Clayton, they stuck by him because. Yeah. He was part of the team. Yeah. Um, and that's great. In fact, that reminds me, a few weeks ago, I was running a workshop and a lady talked about it at a time back in 2012 when she was a senior executive for a company and she was given a spread, she was given a list in the form of a spreadsheet yep. and told, this is a list of all the people, you have to fire 140 of them. Pretty terrifying Ouch. thing Ouch. for somebody to have to do. Yeah. And was quite impressed. She said that it went against all of her values. Yes. Right. To do this. And she thought seriously about just resigning and not doing it. But she knew it was going to happen anyway. Whether it was her or not. Whether it was her. And she went, well, I'm going to do it because I'll do it the right way. Yeah. She did a whole bunch of things. But one of the things that, uh, that happened as part of this process was that there was a guy on the list who had been a superstar for a long time, all high performer, yep. and had a few personal circumstances that had very tragic and he was being treated medically for depression and so he was temporarily not a superstar right he was on the list and she went i'm not putting him on the list he's a, he's a superstar and so she took him off the list uh-huh. and so he didn't get retrenched and he came back to work and he was a superstar and he went on to become country head is that right <laughs> oh well there you go see so sticking by people when they are temporarily down, yeah. is, well, paid off for Bono. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, let's, let's give some ratings here, right? I think we forgot to do our ratings in the last episode, so we've got to get back on the, on the track. I'll start because you told the story. You know, I'm giving this a nine. Wow. And, and the reason I'm giving this a nine, and I think this is the highest score I've ever given, is I know this is a good story because I've told it already, like at least six times. I love this story. It's just, it's easy to tell. It makes a point. You can see the faces on people just like they're gobsmacked. In fact, sometimes you even see, a, see people, you know, tear up. Well, I, I did. I, I told the publican at my, at my local pub on Friday night, yeah. and she teared up. That is a real great indicator of a, a pretty powerful story, right? What about yourself? How would you rate it? I'm going to give it an 8.5. 8.5. Gee, you're nearly getting to the nine level, yeah, mate. No, not quite. Um, and that's got nothing to do with how well I told it, because it could be told a lot better, simply because the, the inherent characteristics of that story mean that anyone can tell that and have huge impact. Yeah, good. 
Well, guys, we're going to wrap up pretty uh, quickly here because this is the shortened version of our program. But as I'm looking down at the uh, time, it seems like we've still gone for some time chatting away. But I just wanted to thank everyone for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And I want everyone to tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.